Near Abdullah to the left hip of Carr, who now brings Foster Morrow from out wide right, left side in the slot. Now Abdullah shifts, and Carr comes up to the line. Oh, hurry up. He's got three on the play clock. Gets it off with one. Jaguars bring a blitz. Settles, looks it, dumps it to Abdullah, and he bobbles it in himself, and he drops it. Derek Carr did not see the blitz coming off the right side, and he had to get rid of it with Dewan Smoot right in his face. Raiders converted a fourth down in the first half. They need two. Carr to the shotgun. Jaguars bring a blitz. Rolls to his right. Fires over the middle. Incomplete. It was too high for Hunter Renfro with Darius Williams right on his hip. And the Raiders turn it over on downs. Down to 50 seconds to play. Third and 10, they're on 25. Down to touchdown. Carr, pressure in his face. And he's sacked. Dewan Smooth for the second time in this game. And he takes him down at the 19. And the clock continues to roll. It's fourth and 17. 26 seconds to go. Carr's got to get the snap. They do with 25. Fourth down. Steps up in the pocket. Dumps it short to Bolden. At the 15. He's going to launch it across the field. And Morrow waits under it. At the 25. He launches it backwards to Adams. But it's picked off by Devin Lloyd. And the Jaguars have the ball in their hands. And the Raiders are going to lose here in Jacksonville. All right, here we go. It's Ed, Lindsay, and Jared. Oh, what a Monday this is going to be. The morning zoo. <laughs> Jared's very afraid of us. He does not want to do this. He's very, very uh, trepidatious at this point. We're super prepared, though. That's what matters. Most, yes. I'm, I, I got notes on the, the Vancouver Canucks power play. We got Raiders to talk about Golden Knights. We got a full slate today, very Ed. Excited, very excited. Should I do it in my Minnesota accent? Oh, my I God. I tried to do, do that. You in, uh, in the, the press VG, box? In the, in the VG <laughs> Kelly press box, I tried to show you that I've matured. Is that it? Sure. It's like the most dinga dinga Durgan type of Minnesota <laughs> accent you could pull out. Like SpongeBob is the inspiration by far. Unbelievable. We, we need to work on that with you. Uh, I mean, would you, uh, my accents were never good. I used to get in trouble in acting school for playing myself in every role because I was like, well, I'd do an accent, but. That I mean, would just be you're bad. Irish. character. You're, you're rocking a polo with a uh, with a nice little blazer right now. You got your pink headphones. Can't put a definition on you, my friend. The first bite. Not touching that with a ten foot pole. Was Devontae Adams right in calling out his head coach? Lot to unpack here, Lens. Tons. Lot to unpack here, kid. Uh, well, let's go with this. Another blown lead. 17-0. Third time they've blown a 17-0 lead. This season, twice 17-0, 120 to nothing. Uh, since 1960 to 21, they did it five times. The first eight games of this year, they've done it three times. It's not a great stat to have or company to share, Ed. It's really not. And it kind of comes out of nowhere, too. Like, it, it just feels like it's two teams, two halves, very Jekyll and Hyde. And I guess our our task today, much like anybody else in the in the greater Las Vegas area, is like, What's causing this, or what are what are they not doing that's causing them to just really stall out? Well, how much is it coaching? Because we're going to read some oh, wow. Devontae Adams uh, uh, quotes here about, uh, and Jared's got him on the on the uh, on the uh, replay here from Devontae Adams. But I just think I really think, and I've said this before, I think Josh McDaniels overthinks the room sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think he does. When you're supposed to run, you're, you're he's passing. When you're supposed to pass, when you're running, and we're not. 
look, we're not head coach in the NFL, but we've watched enough football. They're like, oh, it's it's third and one. You have Josh Jacobs. Oh, yeah. wait, there's a 40-yard out. <laughs> it's almost like he's an edge seeker that he feels like he needs to be not just one step ahead, but two. And so he'll go away from what's working just to like, well, we got to get this going just in case. Right. Because I don't think it's lack of adjustment all the time. I think it's sometimes like you're saying it, it's it's doing too much and not right. trusting what what has gone well for you in the moment. And doesn't that happen when coaches lose games and start questioning themselves? Yes. Yes. That's what they, they he, he's like, oh God, here we go again. We're up 17 0. And like, yeah, you know, that's when you got one cheek on the heat seat, man. You're very uncomfortable and you're not yeah. really sure which way is up or which type of coach you want to be. And even in just some of his comments in the last week as they've been on the road of, I don't want to be the guy that's coming in throwing in chairs. And we're not saying that that's what you need to do, Josh, but there seems to be a, a lack of snarl for this team. And, and you can see it play out. It's They're saying it's execution. Well, we call it also killer instinct, right? In the games as well, of just like you don't allow them back in as much as you keep doing what you're doing. Devontae Adams leading had nine catches for 143 and two touchdowns in the first half. He caught one pass for three yards during the second half, which the Raiders were held scoreless. Derek Carr completed five passes during the second half compared to 16 in the first half. The five completions were good for only 36 yards. Why go away with what what's working? Here we go again. Well, I will say there is that stupid mentality of okay we we need to we need to find balance we need to mm. establish the run we've thrown too much in the first half but hey we, how are we going to run the play action we have a lead <laughs> we have a lead so let's run the ball and just try to keep the lead because I don't want to blow this yeah bleed out the clock we'll we'll do it that way but then you lose the lather up that you've established with your best players with Devontae Abs and with Derek Carr. And Derek Carr was looking like a pretty damn good quarterback in that first half. Like he yeah. was slinging it. He wasn't overthrowing. He was stepping into no. it. He was feeling a lot more confident. But then, I don't know, like if I get peppered with 25 shots in the first period and then all of a sudden I see four in the next one, if I'm being expected to show up for the third, like that's a tall task mentally because I just, I'm cold now. You're not being peppered anymore. Exactly. Exactly. And and you, that confidence that you get from just being in the mix wanes away. And then all of a sudden you're trying to recall this greatness that you just had handle of, you know, 20 minutes ago. But you've been sitting around, not calling your number. Devontae Adams afterwards. So we have that type of communication and that's just the way that it is. Like we don't call the plays as players and they don't go make the plays. So they can't, they, you know, it's just the same thing. They're, right. they're going to say we got to execute. We got to, you know, make that play over the middle and things like that. All right, so the, that's the start of it. Um, mm -hmm. How are you with at two and six and what happened in the second half? Because I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. How are you with Devontae Foster Moreau had some comments. Derek Carr had some comments about, you know, we have to go, we have to stay inside with this. Things will be said. We'll be man-to-man, face-to-face. Is this just normal now for two and six for this stuff to be coming out? Are you okay with this stuff? I mean, it, it's what I would expect based off of what we've seen in terms of how this team communicates in their culture. Like, it's very egalitarian, right? It's very collaborative. And, and there's a place for that as long as you're getting the results. And they're not getting the results. And so they have every right to call out what's going on with the coaching staff. And I don't think they're doing it in a disrespectful way. Like, there's, there's ways to go about it. And I, I'd much rather them go out and tease out their answer a little bit rather than ju just saying, well, you should ask the coaches like that. That's, right. that's their, that's their responsibility. That's wherever, right. like it, it's, it's not vengeful, but it's more of just curious. Like what the hell is going on here? I've never been in a position where I've had to answer the same exact type of questions week in and week out. And 
I mean, that's that's the questions that are they're out there. You, know, you got to ask that. So, but I don't have the answer. I think we just got to come back. We got to just find a way and rally around the captains. The guys got to be in a, you know, uh, the most positive mindset. It's hard to when you when you're a competitor and you want to win, you know, especially immediately after. So you're gonna see this type of move. But then, you know, when we get into the work week, we're gonna get back to it and find a way to go out there and um, put something good on tape so we can go get a W. All right. So he's getting the same questions, which he should. It should be answered. Is he getting the same questions? Well, that's actually, I've, in my time in radio, I've never heard, or in media, I've never heard a guy literally go, yeah, I am tired of getting this question, even though, yes, the media should be asking this question when we're we're losing. Like, actually admits, like, I get why you guys are asking it, but I've never been in the position where I've had to answer it this many damn times. Yeah. And it's like, I've never heard an athlete actually say, like, I mean, I, I, how many times do like it? We're trying different. We're, we're trying the same thing over and over again, and expecting different results. And you keep asking me what I think. Do the Raiders know how to operate from a place of abundance? I mean, like when you have the seventies, maybe. But I, that to me is just like this team, and I don't want to compare last season to this season because last season was just such a such an anomaly with all the things that were going on, but. I feel like this team does really well in chaos, but when things aren't going well, when things are kind of set up for them to succeed, they don't know what to do with it, or they they get off to a good start. They and get off to these big. They leads. freak out. They freak out. Right? They're they're at the movie theater on the date. They get the arm around the shoulder, and then when it's time to uh-oh. say goodbye, no, like, not- ah, handshake time. Hold on like, a second. Just, Hold on. Right? Yeah. Get your faking the tears. Faking the tears. Right? And you get to the get to the <laughs> ultimate part of the the night or of the moment, and all of a sudden it's like I don't know what to do with my hands. Yeah. Some do. So, some do, but that that's where my question is because it's just like for all the, the talk we've heard preseason and how, how weaponized they were going to be on the offense and how improved the defense has been, it's like <laughs> I haven't seen any of that. There's been absolutely no consistency whatsoever. It's not even that they've had – the only game that they've had a fully consistent effort was the Saints. Yes, they, and they, 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 they were perfect. Yeah, they were cons- we are exactly who we are sense, today. Right there. Yeah, and that's what's, that's what's so enigmatic about this team because they are – potentially a really good team like the minnesota vikings have like five or six one score wins this year the raiders have like five one score losses like that's how thin the margin of error is for success and failure and they both have first year head oh, coaches we're gonna let you brag on your vikings oh, here I, it while. might be time guys i'm it not saying i'm drinking the kool-aid but let's the just vikings. say i'm checking out the table yeah. from across the room 745 i've got something also special for you so <laughs> yes. nice by the way you'll want to stick around till nine o'clock because we're going to give a lot of advice to uh, Josh McDaniels from a certain uh, oh, certain yeah. group of, of of people and you'll want to hear that at night we might be in a negative mindset now but a couple hours we'll, uh, we're we'll going turn things around the absolutely we're going positive we have absolutely. to stay positive it won't even be about the Golden Knights here's more Devonte Adams it's not a shot at my coaches I love my coaches I love them to death and I think that I've had an incredible I think they've I've had an incredible time aside from losing <laughs> that was that, okay so the reason I didn't <laughs> The reason I didn't pull that out is because it was I thought that that line was too funny. Oh, like I was like, we're coming in, line. we're coming in on a. I mean, you know, I love my coaches, except that you know they suck. Except from losing, <laughs> uh, just growing with them and finding ways to continue to do this. I wouldn't trade them, but at the end of the day, if I'm rolling in certain situations like that, if the pass game is something that's helping us move the ball, then mm-hmm. obviously that's the idea. You want to stick with what's working. Yeah. So he might love them, but he's questioning them. Yep. And I think it's legitimate for him to question them. 
after what happened yesterday in the first half comparative to the second. Absolutely. And you just think about just the the change of scenery in the last year. Because the last two years he's been catching passes from Aaron Rodgers, the MVP. And then all of a sudden, boom, like he's operated from nothing but a place from abundance. And then he enters the, enters the chat here. I bet he's perplexed because he's like, I'm, I'm doing all of these things. I'm, I'm showing up. I'm being a leader. I'm taking a, a different level of responsibility. And I'm one of the best in the game. And it doesn't matter what I do. It's not getting done. I, if I were him, I would be uniquely frustrated because I'm just not used to this kind of uh, adversity. How did they lose so fast their persona of last year of us against the world? You talked about the chaos there. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to play for each other. We don't wear, care what the outside says. They seem to lo- lose all that. Now, is it just because they're losing all these games? Because we don't hear any of that. Last year, every week... Uh, whether it was Zooms or whatever in terms of not being in the locker room, whether it was Zooms or when oh. we got them, you know, at, at podiums, that's what it was. We're playing for each other. Mm-hmm. You know, it's us against them. Now a lot. You had the Gruden. The Nobody mentality. cares. Nobody cares. Yeah. Exactly. You had the Gruden resignation. You had um, Basachi coming as the coach. But the still, stuff. it's like they've lost all of that. And I don't know what their identity is, except they lose close games. It's like they were the not cool kid that nobody invited to sit at the table. And then we always have that, like that summer glow up where all of a sudden, Oh, you're a whole new person. And now we want to hang out with you. They, they got the invitation to the cool period or the, the cool table without going through their growth spurt during the summer. Cause all of a sudden they go out and trade for Devonte Adams and now they're a destination. Now they're the cool kid. Now they're the cool kid, but they were just the kid that started to figure things out. Like we just got you contact lenses, buddy. Like that doesn't mean that your braces are off and that, that the Accutane has got, has had its full effect yet. And, and I think that when you misplay your timing and, and your growth as a team, because the Minnesota Vikings did basically the same thing when they went out and got Kirk Cousins instead of just rolling with Case Keenum. Because all of a sudden, like, oh, we're one quarterback away. Our roster's one piece away. And then it wasn't like that at all. And you end up missing the majority of that window of some of the, the better players in that organization. And that's what I'm worried about with this team is that they got a little bit too hot too fast without allowing themselves to kind of bake through the middle. Can I ask you real quick, was that Kirk Cousins on the plane with his shirt off? Oh, yeah. Yep, with the chains. He's got the team chains on. He's got the team it's, chains on? It's a whole oh, bit. And this is a new Kirk. Like this is a new Kirk. I'm not I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid, like I said, but I'm pondering the table hey, from across the room. He's on my fantasy team. All right, when we come back, I'll ask you some questions. It's VJK. Are the VGK ever going to lose again? Into a couple of bodies in front. And Stevenson, a wide out, leads to a three-on-one for Montreal. Suzuki is in. Back and forth. Score! We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. Featuring Lindsey Brown. Got to stay positive. We're very positive about the Ridge. We're going to be positive now. Oh, seven straight. Somebody's got to do the winning in this town, Ed. Somebody's got to do it. Oh, no. The Aces are in the offseason, so someone's got to take up the mantle. (laughs) Someone's got to win. Yep. Will they lose? I don't well, they know. lose. I mean, they're they are on fire right now. These Golden Knights. Well, they're not so much on fire, but they're they're finding ways to overcome their in-game deficiencies. Different ways to win. Yeah, different ways to win, and and they certainly haven't played their their best hockey in their last handful of games. I'm sure all of them would tell you that. But I, I'm really enthused by the way that this team has been able to manage its emotions, whether it's the goaltenders and going uh, for long stretches of time without seeing a puck and still remaining engaged and locked in and getting big saves when they need to, 
or it's in the rare occurrence where they are, are chasing a game and you just figure out a way to, to get a goal from your biggest players or the production on the fourth line or just the bottom six in general that are, are chipping in in games that aren't going super well, but leading their way in the example of if you're working hard and moving your feet and you're leaning and driving the net, good things are going to happen to you. All right, I keep reading about this from Ben. I keep hearing about this from Cassidy, the fourth line, and what mm-hmm. it's doing right now. Are they the real MVPs to start this season? Is it the fourth line? I mean, they're very consistent. I, I would say that the misfits are probably the, the best line right now in terms of production and, and what they do. But hockey is a, a game of ebbs and flows where one for one period, the, the ice can be completely tilted in your direction and you can't do anything wrong, but you can't score. And then the next you could be on your heels and, and in the, the opposite seat. And the thing that the fourth line does is that it creates energy and it creates space on the ice with physicality. And the reason why this fourth line is running so well is because William Carey is playing some of the best hockey I've seen playing, playing his in his mind, career. Right? Yep. And I think Nick Waugh, as much as he has earned the ice time on the third line and that extra added responsibility, I think it is better for him to be playing on that fourth line and being the guy, being the driving force and the person that you're looking to feed the puck. Because sometimes it's about calling your own number versus deferring to someone else. And you're going to do that when you're on the line with with Phil Kessel, right? Or whoever's on that third line. I I just really like how they're playing that, that edge that they're bringing and it's what the team is leaning on right now because it's the energy constant. I'm trying to remember all of the first year uh, to get to the cup final because Marcia so said something interesting the other night that they're more resilient this year. I thought the Misfits and that first year were a really resilient team. To... But they get on top of you quick, though. And so it's like it, I wasn't here for that first year, but from what I've heard and, the, and just kind of what I remember is that they would shell shock you and score three, four right. goals in that first period. And then it's a much different type of hockey game you're playing your opposition you're playing yourselves versus it's one-to-one going into the third period and you give up the first goal in the first minute against the what's Winnipeg his, Jets after you've been dominating meaning then on resiliency if he's meaning I mean you're saying mm-hmm. they're 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 winning different ways yeah they're winning different ways which and in essence defines resiliency yep because you're trying to do different things you never have momentum it doesn't exist it does. So, so resiliency it's over management momentum. of momentum. It's not being as reliant <laughs> on momentum, the Go resiliency, on. because because like I said, there, there are ebbs and flows to the game. There, there's so much that you can't explain with hockey where you're you're out shooting them, but the puck hits the post three times and the rebounds right there. But you're just a step behind for you to whack it in. Like there's so many yeah. un- intangible things. Yeah. But right, the golden Jared. nights, like I said, instead of relying on that, those that thing around good vibes that you get when you're scoring goals early, when you're scoring pretty goals, when you're dangling people, when when you're getting the pucks out without having to work that hard because the other team's forecheck isn't working, like you it's a different type of elixir that you're drinking through that game versus we have to be hard. We have to be detail oriented. We need to make sure that we stay in the same spot. So and you think it's a resilient team? I think it's a compartmentalized team, and so therefore you didn't get you don't get too worked up. And you don't get too low. And that's a direct uh, reflection of, of Bruce Cassidy's system and just personality as a coach. All right. I thought they were, more, they were resilient in the first year as well to overcome kind of being that expansion label. They were riding um, a, just a high, though. Like like being the fir- being the first year having the success like I remember watching that opening game and how many goals they came out and scored and then it just Dallas people, I believe and, James and, and, Neal and there's something about like proving the hockey world wrong because there it, there's 
for for all much you can't explain, there's a lot of uh, rivers that are always kind of fouled. Like if you if you get pucks deep, if you forecheck right, and you get the rebounds out from in front of your net, you're gonna give yourself a good chance to win. But you're not expected to be able to have those those details. Uh, at your command when you're just a team of people thrown together in a city that you don't think that understands the, most of the rules at that point. Like that's just a much different high that you're riding versus this one. You are creating your own luck. You are creating your own momentum because you know that you're, you're dedicated to the process. You're dedicated to your assignments. And if you play the numbers that way, eventually it's going to come out in your favor. Where were you that first year? I was in Minnesota watching terrible Minnesota. goalie play. Terrible goalie play. And then I came down here. I was like, look at this. Marc-Andre oh, Fleury. Marc-Andre Fleury. He was your and favorite. Now he's, now he's, he's your favorite. I remember no, it's this. Just, it's, you know, let's just say we, we have a, a good nose for being in places that people like to be. All right, quickly. Two minutes. Two power play goals. Four out of the five games they've uh, scored with the man advantage. Mm-hmm. Why do you think it's working so well? I think it's because they've diversified away from the defense. I, I think so much of the offense last year was really in Alex Petrangelo's hands and in Shea Theodore's hands. And with that, you concentrate where the puck is going and in certain places in the ice. This is a team that is now pushing the puck down low that is looking to get Jack Eichel going downhill. And I was noticing a a couple games ago that they were setting up even lower in the zone because I think they want to create that space so he can kind of loop in and, and well, he holds the puck for 25 seconds before he well, scores. Well, he usually does pretty good things he when he has well the space to do it, space. right? Exactly. And and as much as there's been written and talked about in the last couple of weeks of Mark Stone on the bumper, like I like him in front of the net better because he's really good at getting his stick free and whacking things away and getting those loose pucks. And he knows how to play his body correctly with the screen. Like it's not just having a body in front. It's you got to make sure that you're taking away the goalie's eyes as they're looking at you and then where they're going to be in the next second because that's where that save is going to be made. You know what Mark Stone does? What does he do? Whacking that thing around. He does whack it. He does whack it. Whacking that thing around. <laughs> uh, was it fair Shall Josh it? Anderson got suspended for two games? Was that a dirty hit on Petrangelo? Pa- oh, a thousand percent. Absolutely Things unnecessary. Yeah. Is that Emerson on that one? Things got testy. Oh, that is you. Mm-hmm. That's, it almost sounds like Emerson right there. Who Did, is that? That's you. That's you. <laughs> Things got testy. Yeah. Okay. Pull it in your upper I've never octave. known that. I knew, oh. the whacking, I knew whacking that thing around. <laughs> yeah. No, that was an absolutely dirty hit, especially with Petro just, like, getting off the ice. Like, why are you throwing hits around that part of the bench? And then it just being late. I am surprised he didn't lose teeth. <laughs> he went just, bam, just hit his face right on the on the, on the the edge of the boards. And it was brutal. I'm glad that he wasn't hurt more. And, uh, yeah, it should be a couple games. The epitome games. of boarding. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Just a dangerous, wow, unnecessary sorry. hit. Um, That's Everson. I got you. Thank you. Sorry. That's sorry. Emerson. <laughs> You know who we're going to talk to next? Who? One of Emerson's uh, former uh, colleagues there at the Las Vegas Sun, Daniel Webster. Ooh. He's next on the press box. Here's Doc to the right. Score! Suzuki from the right wing. The 12 seconds come off the board. Suzuki gets his second of the contest. And Montreal pulls to within 5-3. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios, this is the press box with Grady and Bischoff. Featuring Lindsey Brown. Alright, back in the morning zoo. We've been pretty tame. Wait, wait till the nine o'clock hour. You want to hear that. Kevin Hart tickets at 8:30. Kevin Hart tickets. You want to hear then at 9:30. Post Malone. Post Malone. Boy, the big giveaways today. My goodness. Good job here. Kevin Hart and Post Malone. Listen at 8:30, 9:30. Please be joined now, though. Follow me on Twitter at Danny Webster21. Danny Webster covering the Golden Knights for the Las Vegas Sun. Daniel, good morning. 
Ed, LB, good morning. And how can I get in on those Kevin Hart and... Uh, I don't know if you're eligible. <laughs> I just missed. I guess you are. He's, not, says he's you not an employee of the radio station, as far as I'm aware. There's got to be a slush fund of some kind of extra tickets we could just dip into, right? No, no, damn. You don't think that was my first call? You, got, you nah. have connections. You can get that set up. All right, we asked this question coming back. When, when will they ever lose again? Uh, Well, you know, they haven't... They have yet to win in the building they play in tomorrow. It could be tomorrow, uh, and what narrative it would be if it was against Toronto. But, man, they look good right now. Um, the fact that they've been able to find different ways to win throughout this ro- the start of this road trip, and, yeah, they've taken their foot off the gas a little bit in these last couple of games, but they're, they're putting up goals. They're playing solid team defense overall through these first 13 games. They they look good. It, w- it wouldn't shock me if they lose tomorrow. Um, but, yeah, they, they look really good right now. Well, and Toronto's playing well, but they also have a goalie that's just getting its sea legs. So it, well, that remains to be seen. But in your mind, how many games have the Golden uh, Knights simply gotten away with? Because, as you mentioned, they're playing well. They're finding different ways to win. But how many of those kind of feel false? Because it's not that many for me. Not that many at all. I, I think the the fact that they've been able, and I think Bruce Cassidy alluded to it as well. They they played a lot of games this year where it it, it hasn't been a bad game. When you look at it from probably from the first game on, maybe that LA game, maybe they got away with it just because they won it at the end. But they played a really solid game all throughout, and they didn't let it get away from them. Even the losses to Calgary and Colorado, they didn't like get away from them. They've been in pretty much every game. They've been able to dictate the pace for the majority of these games. And so far, that's why they are the top team in the league right now. Uh, Lindsay and I were talking about this before you came on in terms of resiliency. Marcia So came out and said, we're more resilient than year one. Plus, she made a great point in that in year one, they were up a lot. So I don't know where the resiliency came from there. But what did you make of his comment there, just that they're finding different ways to win, that they're not overreacting when they're down? I mean, what what is resiliency to a team that leads the league with 22 points and is the best team in the league right now? Right. I, I wonder if the resiliency is more in tune with the fact that they had a lot to prove from missing the playoffs last year. At least that's the way I interpreted that comment. Um, there's, there's a lot of, uh, I guess, unfinished business with this group. And I think they wanted to come out this year into the first month and kind of set the tone and say that they are a team that fully believes that they can get back into the playoffs and make a deep run. And, you know, there's what, you know, 68, 70 games left, uh, you know, go here and there's a lot of hockey to be played. But right now as it stands, I think they've kind of accomplished that mission right now. If they can, if they can finish off this road trip, you know, with two more solid games, I think they're going to be, they're going to be sitting pretty, coming up with Thanksgiving uh, on the horizon. So I, I think more so with the resiliency, that has to do with the fact that there's a lot of unfinished business, and now they probably still have that bad taste in the mouth from last year. Bottom six has been great. It's not necessarily about being a minus, but you're finding a lot of pluses with those guys below. Who Do you or do you think that Nicholas Waugh is better served at elevating a line on the fourth line or contributing as a part as a third line? Because I'd rather have him call his own number and be a dominating presence, but sometimes you got to make sure that everybody's getting lathered up. That that really is something I've been thinking about for the last couple of days. Is you look at the way that third line is played, and I don't know necessarily if that group is something that you can rely on later on. But the problem is you don't want to take them off that fourth line because the fourth line has been playing so good right now 
with Watt centering it. So, of course, you want to give a guy that you just gave a five-year contract extension a bump up in the lineup. But I do wonder if they're going to roll at least, you know, in the immediate future with Howden, Amadio, and Kessel. I do wonder if Bruce Cassidy is going to make any moves with that group because they they did not look great for the first, you know, 20, 30 minutes against uh, Montreal. And I wonder if you're going to have enough scoring on that line to where you can actually, one, keep Waugh from going up to that line, or do you make a move and probably get Paul Cotter back in the lineup and see if you can get a little bit of juice there. So I I have always thought that with Waugh, you want to put him up up the lineup and you want to see what he can do in an elevated role. But right now, that the way that line has been clicking, it you really find it hard-pressed to break it up right now. So I'm really curious what's going to happen over the next week with that bottom six. Danny Webster from Las Vegas Sun here with us on the Press Box talking VGK. All right, and maybe both of you can tell me this about the uh, Hague-Whitecloud line. They were plus four the other night. Uh, Where do they sit in ranking as the team's best deep air right now? Because we saw the Ottawa coach say before the game they're the best uh, Three, third pair in the entire NHL. Maybe that was just coach high before praise. he played them. It was high praise. Now, they were just about to play them, so that was a high praise there <laughs> as well. But, Danny, how good are they right now? And and are you surprised given Hague's holdout and he came back and they said he'd have to learn a lot of stuff? Right now, they're probably the best defensive pairing right now in terms of playing actual defense when you look at the way that you know, the numbers say that Petrangelo and Martinez are not looking very good in terms of playing in their own zone, and McNabb and Theodore are kind of up and down. That pair has been the most consistent so far. And given the fact that, of course, you mentioned Haig's holdout, that a lot of credit goes should probably go to John Stevens. And I know Bruce Cassidy has you know, alluded to that as well. John Stevens was in constant contact with Nick Hague during his holdout while, uh, while Hague was in Kitchener and, you know, just giving him every bit of information that he could. And Hague has come right in and he has looked really good, especially in his own zone. And of course, Zach Whitecloud, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that I feel like this is probably the year where he probably has the best year of his career. I thought he was going to break out offensively. I, I still think he's probably kind of come close to 30 points, but that, that, Ooh duo that duo i think the fact that they've been playing together for so long and have been doing it as well as they have been for the last few years and now we're in a system where i feel like it's going to benefit the most it, it really doesn't come to, as a shock to me honestly yeah zach Whitecloud oozes potential for me not necessarily because he has a high skill ceiling but just because he always seems to make the right play and he doesn't get overwhelmed by the moment there's there i i think that kid needs a c on his jersey soon if not earned with a career year already in route but speaking of uh potential take a little bit longer view on the nhl who are you more afraid of in this group of power and potential the canucks the sabers the penguins or the blues all three are in the bottom of their division i love the sabers i love <laughs> <laughs> the unis are sick. You got to admit. Oh, I love the Sabers. They they are so fun to watch right now. It, it's it's just that group is playing so well at the right time. I don't know if it can be sustained, but the way that that group is playing and they're humming along. Paige Thompson is looking like he owns every bit of that contract. The only thing that concerns me 
is their goaltending. And I don't know if Eric Comrie is going to be the answer long term, but man, the Sabres are just. Oh, lo- it's going to be it's going to be fun on Thursday. Let's put it that way. It's going to be fun on Thursday. I like that the Sabres. You like the Am Sabres? I, no, I'm just saying I like that he picked the Sabres because of the unis. Yeah. Oh, they're they're next level since they switched back to their old school ones. Just I don't like the white breezers, the white hockey pants. Everybody else that didn't grow up in Minnesota, but you know those are just you know once in a blue moon type of outfits. Give me the flaming saber head ten times out of ten. <laughs> Red and black all day. Oh, baby. I don't Let's know go. about that one. Oh, good. Danny, uh, Lindsay prefers Mark Stone in front of the net in the power play, whacking that thing around. Uh, what, uh, whacking that thing around. What uh, you say on Mark Stone in the power play? Where would you Where would you rather see him? The way he's, where he's at right now, the bumper. I mean, it, it works. Uh, the the way the way that Cassie has switched it up to kind of get ever gets get Eichel on his strong side and get Petrangelo up top. He still opens up the one-timers, but the way that Stone is kind of just sitting there just waiting for either the pass or just to get a quick release, it's worked. And that power play is humming along. Both units right now are humming along very well. So I kind of like the way that uh, that it's setting up. Though I will say getting Smith off that first power play unit kind of hinders my 30 goal prediction that I thought he was going to get, but you know what? I, I 5v5 think looks good though, Danny. You gotta admit with that line. Oh, that it definitely looks good. It definitely looks good where he's at right now, but right now with, with the way Eichel's playing right on the opposite wall, he's on a strong side and he's pretty much commandeering that, uh, that unit right now. I, I kind of like where everyone's scattered. I, I, it kind of hinders Stevenson a little bit, knowing that he's below the goal line. He doesn't do a little bit. He doesn't do as much as he used to. But I think right now that unit's working the way it should. Well, and to be fair, there is a rotation there. I feel like in the past, and maybe that was just because the power play was going so poorly that you end up just with with concrete blocks in your skates. But Mark Stone's on the bumper, but then he rotates to the middle when Jack Eichel steps down for that one timer. I'm more talking about just like in front of that. But you're right in terms of Stevenson being taken out. But if you're going to take somebody out and give them the short end of the stick, it's probably him in that group. Oh yeah, absolutely. And the whole thing of it was is just it just seemed a little bit stagnant on that side. And all you got to do is switch him to the opposite wall and that movement has been getting is getting a lot of good looks right now though the way that they moved the puck in the last couple of games and even in the goal where uh eichel scored where it got called back again what was it against uh who did they play on thursday i don't even remember anymore ottawa um when that eichel goal got called back it was great movement great movement along the wall that's that's pretty much what they've been hoping for and that's what they were hoping for with kessel and smith but right now that that's that unit's looking really good they just win so much. It's hard to believe who they. It's hard to remember who they win or who they beat. Right? They just win so much. I yeah, mean, I'm, I'm at the point where I don't even know who they're playing in two weeks. But all I know is they'll probably win the way they're going. All right, so that's your call tomorrow night. They lose. <laughs> I, I I look. I think narrative. Tell, I I'm I'm always a big fan of narrative, and I feel like narrative would be good to see them beat Toronto, but. It, they that's the only building they haven't won in yet, and if they can find a way to win in that building tomorrow. They might, they might go 80-2. and two. I don't know. <laughs> That's the way it's going. Right Pepper now. those ping-pong flippers down at the bottom with the new goalie. They'll be fine. Well, he is Danny I, Webster. I don't even know who's in who's net tomorrow. I don't even know who's in net. Starts with a K. Starts with a K. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. He is Danny Webster from Las Vegas Sun covering the Golden Knights. Danny, we appreciate it. Of course, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, Danny Webster. I think he called the loss tomorrow night. Yeah, I mean, he, he led with that. Yeah. He led, and he said he's a narrative guy, yeah. And, yeah. and and that was the first narrative that he brought to the table. So he's a non-believer. When we come back, it's buy or sell on the New York Jets.
fakes the give, rolls, throws back against his body, intercepted by the Lions. Aiden Hutchinson with a pick, down into the end zone, he goes for a touchback. The rookie out of Michigan comes up with a play. Rodgers tried to go misdirection. Hutchinson said, I'll take that. Rodgers leans in, there's the snap, he's back. Rodgers looking, looking, throws deep middle, picked up by the Lions. Coming back the other way, Kirby Joseph again. How about that rookie? He is something else. Oh, baby, how big is that? Second interception of the day for Kirby Joseph. We don't see throws from you often on like the ones you had on those interceptions. What, what happened with your own play today, would you say? Yeah, it's some throws for sure. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Featuring Lindsey Brown. Here we are. It's the morning zoo. We have it. Uh, we don't have it very often, but we like it when we do. It's we Ed, do. Lindsay, and Jared. Remember now at 832 tickets to Kevin Hart Reality Check Tour. 932 tickets. Post Malone. You want to be hearing all that. And you'll want to hear it at 9 o'clock because we are going to make Josh McDaniels feel a lot better about himself than he probably is this morning. Yeah. Everybody needs a pep talk once in a while. Yeah. And we're going to give him a pep talk. Well, we're not going to give him a pep no. talk. No. Some, uh, some some kids in a in a box are. Yeah. We're, we're looking Recordings. forward to you uh, you buying the Jets twenty to seventeen? I uh, mean, Zach Wilson three touchdown pa- through a touchdown pass and Greg Zerline the the uh, go ahead yarder. There's been a lot of reconsiderations I've had to make about the NFL in the last few weeks, and the Jets are certainly one of those teams. You're like, maybe I need to start changing my tune on them. Maybe I need to start expecting them to win. Not just yeah, bad it's like games. You don't want to believe it. Right, exactly. Because you know better. You've seen this time yes. and time again. But the thing is with Jets is like they've been bad from the start for a while. Like when was the last time that they've had a start like this? I'm seriously. What I can't was remember. it even Rex during the, Ryan. The, the, the Sanchez glory years? Sanchez? I'm I'm pretty sure, yeah. The back to back AFC championship games with Butt Fumblegate? Yeah. I mean, like, and that's what, ten years? And so when they hired Robert Sala, I was a huge fan of of just everything that that guy stand, stood for and continues to stand for. And I'm like, if if people can't buy into this guy's program, what program can you? And and you get a young team who is hungry. They get a lot of uh, high draft picks, and you get a couple of them to believe. Then you prove that you can that you can win a game that you're not supposed to. You can prove that you can go into Lambo, put on a cheese head, and and live to tell the tale. And and I think so much of this league is about believing in what you are when you have it. And that's why you see teams like the Miami Dolphins go all in on this season because it's there's one thing about being good and it's about it's there's another thing about being good when nobody expects you to. Same with the Eagles and stuff. I think the Jets are right there. It's just that they don't have, you know, quote unquote that franchise quarterback in Zach Wilson. Right. At least he hasn't performed to that uh to that level yet, but I mean it's almost easier for me to believe in a team that isn't winning based off of their quarterback's merit. That's because they have a better team top to bottom. Do so you think it's a one-off for the Bills? A one-off? What do you mean? Just like it's just a bad week and they're still the best team. In, yeah, in oh, 100%. 100%. Just, Ooh, does, you, this, does this move the Chiefs above the Bills? 
I think last night first take. I think last night hot take. Hot take. They're neck and neck all year, and so it's just you're trying to stay as as healthy as possible. And when you do have these blips of adversity, how do you respond to them as being one of the best teams in the league? All right. So if you're buying the Jets, if I heard you correctly, I don't know if I'm buying. I'm just not selling them. I have them in my cart, and we're going to decide by the time we get to the checkout. I feel like I feel the same way about the Bengals. Huh? I feel the same way about the Bengals. And and that was kind of where I was alluding to last year uh, in terms of team that get hot with belief in themselves. Like the Bengals were kind of middling until the end of the year and then they ripped oh, off a bunch of wins. Hold on, that's not true because uh, multiple weeks, I think week two, week seven, week like he, Ed said he the Bengals yeah. were the best team in the uh, AF. Different see, weeks though. I didn't go consistently. I went two, you, five, right. nine. Well, you see flashes of Burrow and stuff like that and, and, and that's understandable. Once they started rolling towards the back half of the season, I'm like, this is a good team that's going to be really scary in playoffs. But I, I just, you got to have that execution for these guys to to build off of. And then when you have that increased um, kind of double down where we're going to bring somebody in, we're going we're gonna to fortify our defense, we're going to bring in another offensive weapon. I mean, why not us? Why not now? Okay, so There's a lot of teams with that mentality right now. So something we don't get a lot right on this show very often. Um, no, but we have fun doing. We're yeah, but, you know, I, I know, but. Ed nailed the Bengals last year purely by ch- happenstance. Oh, there's no way I had any idea what I was yeah. talking about. So, uh, virtual high, high five, five or the real high five? The We're real, on the real high just, five. Just fingers touching. Just oh, fingers. Okay. <laughs> um, that was incredibly awkward to you guys realize this isn't a visual medium. Um, so I want people to so use what their I need, what I need right now, Ed, is I, what, what team do you have a weird feeling about right now so that we can later give you credit for whenever they're good? Ooh, you know what? I'm going to say the Dolphins. Really? And by the way, we got a tech tweet that, uh, uh, tweet this morning. I'm not so sure. At some point, supposedly Bischoff and I said that the Raiders would be better than the Dolphins. I have no doubt we did. We said that. I'm not <laughs> questioning the tweet. There's just no like, way. Our McDaniel's has an S. <laughs> Theirs doesn't. Yes, exactly. Correct. So I'm not saying that. Uh, you want to brag on your team for a few minutes now? I mean, come on, you got guys, 90 seconds. Go broke. Maybe it's not necessarily that they're amazing because as I mentioned earlier, they've won six games by uh, less than one score. But you know what? Speaking of teams that are finding ways to win, the Kool-Aid is starting to drip through the hamster wheel a little bit, guys. But to be fair, beating up on the commanders, which can be a little bit of a, of a Cinderella wrecker, one of the, the stepsisters of the uh, of the NFL right now. Um, they are getting it done with their defense, which has been really bad the last couple of years. They're getting takeaways. Harrison Smith is picking off passes left and right. Yeah, that's Great a weird one. Selly. Great bit. And so championships are won with defenses. And it looks like the NFC North is not going to be the toughest thing to win this the year. KOC fan? I, the Ken doll is starting to grow the on Ken me. Doll, but he, seven, can, he can Ken pop a Yeah, is, it's a great start. Best start since 2009. Know what happened that year? We lost in the NFC Championship to the Saints because they cheated. I'll tell you about <sighs> cheaters. Yeah. Bischoff saw some the other night. Mm, that he did. Yeah. You have one person to be happy for. That's Dusty Baker. That's it. You happy for Dusty? I'm I was happy, happy for, for Dusty. Dusty. I don't I'm, think Dusty obviously. understood he won. Everybody else can pounce sand. I mean, I'm as much as I hated Dusty as a Cubs fan. I am just happy that he's like, hey, this all worked out for you, buddy. Wish Greg Maddox's arm hadn't fallen off. (laughs) Rack specs.